We are a community that loves like Jesus. And my hope and my prayer is this is a transformative space for you. Not just today, but every time you tune in. Today, we are talking about leadership. And in previous sermons, we've talked about how leadership unites people and loyalty and such. And today we're talking about the right leadership in our lives as we continue this series, The Best Stories Ever. And today's sermon is on the temptation of Jesus. We're actually looking at temptations in leadership. And whether you be a leader in your home or in your workplaces or in your church or in your, your, your community, temptations in leadership are real. And they're very important to talk about and very relevant today. So I would have to say that because certain people are who they are, or the color of their skin, or their gender, the cultural dynamic of just human beings in community, especially in our communities here in our nation, certain people groups have power, position, and privilege. These are the things that can get way out of hand and turn from advocacy or lifting people up equitably and fairly. These things are the things that turn to abuse and tearing people down, even to oppression. So we need to be very careful in our approach to leadership, not to oppress others and not to allow environments of unfairness in order to gain position and power. So this is what the Bible says about such things. In Matthew 3, starting in verse 13, it says this. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John would baptize him. John tried to stop him and said, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me. Jesus answered, allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all of righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, he immediately came out of the water, heaven opened up to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove resting on him. So this shows the power of the Holy Spirit. A voice from heaven said, this is my son who, I'm dear, who I dearly love. This is the position. And I find happiness in him. And so the privilege is that there is peace with God at this moment. So you and I must remember that we are leaders, no matter what position you are in or what you do or what you think of yourself, you are a leader. I am a leader. It just depends on your context and where you're leading people. And when we became a Christian, there was an expectation on our life. And the expectation is that we would be ministers of this love, ministers of reconciliation, to take on the ministry of Jesus and to lead people to Christ. So God has given us now a new set, a different kind of power, a different kind of position, and a different kind of privilege. Now, I would say that these are part of being a human being and being a part of community. Yet God gives gives us a new reality, a new ushered-in humanity, and a new community, a new type of power, a new type of position, and a new privilege. And these things need to be thought deeply about because we do have a fight between the flesh and the spirit and it's very easy to go into the fleshly role of power, position, and privilege versus the spiritual role of power, position, and privilege. These are legitimate benefits of being a Christian. And with each one of these becomes a great temptation and also responsibility. 
that can be a downfall in your life. And we can misuse it, and we need to be responsible and careful with it. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says this, starting in verse 12. So those who think that they are standing need to watch out or else they may fall. No temptation has seized you that isn't common for people, but God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. Instead, with the temptation, God will also supply a way out so that you will be able to endure it. So when we come out of the water and we've publicly declared our faith and follow Jesus as he was baptized, the same things are said to us and about us as we learned in the baptism of Jesus. We are given his Holy Spirit, just like the dove descending down, as power. This power helps us to overcome our sin and speak boldly of the freedom that we have in Christ. And we are given a position We're called sons of God, children of God, and perfected in God's sight through Christ. And we are also given a privilege of living at peace with God in a new reputation of holiness and righteousness. So what happens after this event in our lives? We dedicated our life to the Lord. What happens next? Well, after taking on the leadership position, I'll call it, of Christian in our life. After that decision is made, there's a fight to be had. It's the struggle of temptation. And what is the fight and how do we overcome the fight? Well, we are the leaders of the world. Even if it's the last place we want to be or we're dining with notorious sinners, we're to exercise to overcome and win the fight. We're to exercise this new type of leadership of which Jesus is modeling as followership. There's a difference between worldly leadership and the Jesus model of leadership, which is what I'll term followership. So none of us are immune to temptation. We just need to recognize the temptation, make progress through the temptation, and grow beyond the temptation. So today we're going to look at the temptations in our life and also the antidote to them. So the background of this sermon, of course, is the temptation of Jesus. Right after he was baptized and authorized by God for ministry, he was sent out into the desert for 40 days. Without food, without all the trappings of life and the security of home, he had to face Satan, face all the temptations that Satan presented. And so here are the temptations that I want to list off for you today. Number one, I see just in the world, but also in Christianity, when we fight with the flesh, we're tempted to profit from our privileges. We're tempted to make gains off of what we've been privileged to have. And in Matthew 4, it says this, Then the Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. And the tempter came to him and said, Since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus replied, It's written people won't live by bread alone, but by every word spoken by God. So leaders in life have access to a lot of things that can benefit them. Notice what Jesus is saying he's going to live by. He's not going to live by just worldly things. He's going to live by spiritual things. So how does the world focus on their privileges? Well, by focusing on what they think they deserve. Sometimes we call that our rights. And so we have this focus in worldly leadership on 
the rights of ourselves. We have a right for this or that versus our responsibilities. I believe that it's very important in Christian leadership to focus on our responsibilities uh, more important than our rights. Are our rights important? Yes, but we need to focus on other things and responsibilities over those rights. Many times we can confuse our rights as human beings and find other priorities that we call rights, since we're so focused on them, which are certainly privileges and vice versa. So rights are confused as privileges and privileges are confused as rights. But we will also be tempted to abuse our authority. In Matthew 4, starting in verse 5, it says this, After that, the devil brought him into the holy city and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said, Since you are God's son, throw yourself down. For it is written, I will command my angels concerning you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. And Jesus replied, Again, it's written, Don't test the Lord your God. So dysfunctional leaders will use their power to look good. You know, throw myself off the hill and I will survive. Look at me, right? They use their title. They use their abilities and their giftedness and they, they lord that over people to make themselves look important. Dysfunctional leaders do this and it's like when you uh, are at work and, and somebody's always trying to look good. They never take the time, let's say a boss, to explain why we're doing things or how we're doing it or in what fashion uh, to help us become a part of their team. They just wield their power around and they take credit for all the work that has been done and they say, basically, look at me and all that I am. And so they abuse their authority, but also will misuse our position. We'll be tempted to misuse our position. And in Matthew 4, starting in verse 8, it says this, then the devil brought him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. He said, I'll give you all these things if you bow down and worship me. So he, he basically con- tries to confuse him in that moment. Jesus responded, respond, go away, Satan, because it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil left him and the angels came and took care of him. So the scripture shows a temptation to try to get what he, he wants. And so have you ever been around somebody that has tried to get a promotion or they're trying to get ahead maybe in the workplace or in the environment or the volunteer situation that you're in? They're, they're just using their position to try to gain more position. And sometimes the more promotion that we get in life, we become selfish. It, it, it changes us. Promotion sometimes changes us for the negative. The, the nice person all of a sudden gets a promotion and all of a sudden they're treating people demeaningly or derogatorily or, or making excessive demands on people or unrealistic demands. And we need to remember that unrealistic demands on people demoralize people. We need to have realistic responsibilities. And when we're leading others, we can't use our position to gain more position by tearing people down and putting them underneath us like in oppression. So I'd say that these problems, these three temptations, 
are the temptations that Jesus was experiencing in the desert, but really they're the temptations of human beings. They're the temptations of human beings and leadership. And this is a struggle. We have a struggle treating people fairly in power dynamics. And we have struggle treating people fairly and equitably and equally when we, are tempta- when we endure temptation and we succumb to temptation. Those power dynamics messes our culture up. It keeps people low and others high. And usually that's attached to certain people groups and certain people groups are oppressed in our nation because of that power dynamic that the maybe this group gets bigger and bigger and more powerful and more powerful and this other group gets smaller and smaller like in stature and they and 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 uh and it and they just feel oppressed in their life we have that problem in our in our country and we need to start moving towards a different type of leadership dynamic and that is to have integrity and i think that an integritable leadership as a christian leader first starts with something very important if i want to be a good leader in my home or in my workplace or in my church or my environment that i'm in i first need to find out who's boss and i'm not boss and you're not boss When we deepen our reverence for God and declare that Jesus is boss, then we can start moving into an integratable form of leadership with equality and equity and fairness in our society. Jesus had a specific task that was to be filled. When Jesus replied, let it be so, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness, Jesus knew his job. He also knew what he was sent to earth for, and he knew who the Father was. And so in our position, for our position in life, this is something to pay attention to here. What does God mean uh, when he says we are to have reverence to God, and what does this mean? Well, I need to realize that God gave me this life. He not only gave me life, but he also gave me new life that God put me in this position. He declared me a new name and a new reputation and gave me a new place. And in Psalm 75, six, it says, for promotion and power come from nowhere on earth, but only from God. He promotes one and deposes another. And I need to remember that God is the one that's in charge. I'm not the one in charge. So great leaders that I've read about and I've been involved with and have mentored me Great leaders realize that they are stewards. They realize that it's not their world. It's not their church. It's not their business. It's not their, it's not their children and their family. They're stewards of these people and these employees and this family and this property and this business and this church and this, this state, this nation, this world. They're just the manager. They're the steward of what God has given. God's the boss. And we are, the, we are the stewards in this life. Someone once said, you don't need to know the key person if you know the person who holds the keys. So God is the key holder. God is the one that is in charge. And we need to remember that when it comes to integratable leadership. To have reverence for God in such a way knowing that he is in charge. But also if I have reverence for God, it means that I realize that God is holding me accountable 
So the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when I'm overseeing people, I need to understand that I am held accountable. And as a dad and as a boss and as a leader in our community, as a Christian, as a friend, we need to realize that we're held accountable for what we say and don't say and do and, and don't do. And one of the reasons people do things and, are, and attempt to get away with wrongdoing is many times they don't fear accountability. They don't fear God, and they don't have a respect for accountability, so they think they can play games and, and get away with it. And that's really a dysfunctional form of leadership, just trying to get ahead and thinking that you can get away with stuff. So there's, there's no authority without accountability, and we all need to realize that if any of us hold a position of authority in any way, and we all do as Christians that, that we're all leaders, just who are we leading, right? We are all leaders. We, we hold that ministry of reconciliation. So we have an authority in the Holy Spirit that we have the Holy Spirit and we can speak, speak with God's authority. So the Bible says that we are accountable to God. Leaders are accountable to God and we're all accountable to God for what we're doing. So there's no authority without accountability. So secondly, I think that it's very important in an integrity as a leader to develop a love for people. And there's a leadership law that bad leaders focus on what they can get, but good leaders focus on what they can give. And if we can give love over everything and anything, I think that we're always going to be in a right leadership position. In Psalm 78, 72, David cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. David had a heart. He had a, he had a sense of love for people. And I think the greatest leaders on the planet, people like Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu and some of the greatest leaders Phyllis Tickle, and I think about all these preachers and leaders that, are, uh, that have influenced me in, in my life, one of the greatest attributes of their lives is not the knowledge they had, it's not the, the amount of theology that they crammed in their brain, it's not the great things that they accomplished or the books that they, they wrote. And the nations that they led, literally. It's the love that they had for people. They had a heart for people. And I pray that God will allow all of us to love people with integrity and love people with skill. And I find when I study leaders all over the world for all history that the leaders who consistently abuse their powers are those who don't really love people. And they don't have a reverence for God, and they don't have a reverence for position, and they don't have really a respect for people. But, but great leaders have a reverence for God, they have a reverence for their position, and they love people and exercise that love really well in their life and their careers. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. And so if you really love people, you're not going to abuse and misuse them. You're going to give them your life. You're not going to take from them. You're going to give to them. Great leaders learn to give. Poor leaders 
are just taking. So how do we keep our integrity as a leader as we learn to love people well? But also, we need to learn to discipline ourselves for eternal rewards and not just for earthly things. Jesus battled not with ideas and thoughts. He He was disciplined and he battled with the word of God. And we need to discipline ourselves in such things that we are not looking necessarily for earthly Uh, earthly promotion or earthly gain. We're looking for eternal rewards. And Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded this, The scriptures say you must not test the Lord your God. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. See, Jesus was disciplined. He disciplined himself, which means he was limited. He didn't just explode his authority or show his power all over um, the desert. He didn't do that. He limited himself and fought with the word of God. He argued with the word of God and he won over temptation with the word of God. And he was disciplined in his behavior for not just an earthly show, and that was shown all through Jesus's life with his miracles and and all the things that he did and even his sermons. He didn't do it for earthly show. He even hid into lonely places to get away from the show, to go to lonely places to pray. And he hid the the secret, right? He hid the messiahship. He wasn't just gonna come out to everyone as, as God. You know, that then just kind of just display himself all over. He didn't do that. He was limiting. He was respectful. He was disciplined for eternal things. I believe that's an important lesson that if we're always looking for more and more and more, what we're saying is, is basically, God, what you've given me is not enough. And these things that I have are not enough. And the people that you've put around me are not enough. And I need to stomp on them and oppress them and get ahead of them and win over them and make them feel last behind and, and, and less than. And we climb that ladder and we step on them. That's, that's the attitude that we have when we, when we are looking for earth, earthly rewards over eternal things. So remember, the higher you climb the ladder, the the less room there is for air, right? And there's less room for air at the top of a ladder, the top of the pyramid, the triangle, and our dysfunctional cultural dynamic, right? There's less room to move. So a leader that focuses on their responsibilities, a leader that focuses on the people and being a steward of what God has, has given them, and they have a great reverence to God. When they climb that ladder, they're focused on what is up and not what is down. What happens when you climb a ladder and you're constantly looking down? What happens when you climb a ladder and the higher you get and you're looking at the, ne- the rung underneath you? The chance of you falling is great, but what do we do on a ladder? We constantly look up for balance. And that's just a metaphor, a simple metaphor that many times when I've climbed the ladder of life and I'm constantly looking at the earthly reward, it's very easy to fall. And so that 
that metaphor and that illustration of ladder climbing, when I'm looking down at earthly rewards, I have a total focus on what I deserve, what my rights are, and what I get out of life. And I will tear down, and I will stomp down, and I will rip out what I deserve when I am looking for earthly rewards. That's my pride, that's my taking, that's my selfishness that comes out in the flesh. But a godly leader is looking up. They're looking at, the, at their godlike responsibilities, their godlike reverence, and their godlike, um, their godlike uh, accountability. So I must discipline myself in the things of eternal. I must discipline myself in prayer. When I, when I go to work, I pray. When I, before I go into meetings, I pray. Before I have to meet with important people, I pray. I had some pretty important meetings this week, and, and it made me nervous. I was under anxiety. I removed myself to lonely places, and I prayed. Have you ever experienced that in a job interview or some important thing that you're going to where we, we need to focus and we need to get into that mindfulness space and learning to be disciplined in prayer? Reading God's Word, knowing God's Word, uh, focusing on God's word in the in in important moments of our life we need to have the scriptures buried in our heart and in our minds right on the forefront burner of our lives so that we can retrieve those for godlike confidence and godlike decisions well how about acting Christ-like in and out of public that's a discipline where I'm not different outside as I am inside. I, I'm the same wherever I am. That's a discipline. So if I'm, if I'm practicing godliness, I'm practicing in and out of my home, in and out of public. I'm not treating my closest circles like garbage and then going out in the public and treating them like kings and queens, right? So we need to, to act out in Christ-likeness in and out of public. That's a discipline. Learning to give, learning to serve, Learning to think, not think about our own things, but thinking about other people more than ourselves. Continually looking how to love our neighbor. This is how we become disciplined. So what's really cool about this story of the temptation of Jesus is Jesus is tempted in so many ways. And I couldn't imagine being in that desert and being tempted by Satan in such ways. I would be trying in every part of my fleshly human experience to overcome Satan. But Jesus overcame Satan and that evil and that temptation. He was so successful in so many ways. He overcame this temptation of earthly-like power and earthly-like position and earthly-like privilege. And Jesus fights and he wins the battle in the desert with reverence, with love, and with integrity. And that's what makes this story the best story ever. So let's take communion together. When I think about that temptation of Jesus, I also think the result of his life in the end. And you can't think of the beginning uh, of, of the ministry without the end of the ministry in mind. And Jesus said, I'm gonna go to this cross I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, but I'm going to resurrect and I'm going to come to life again and I'm going to give you life. Through that experience, you will have 
a new name, a new reputation. You'll have this new type of power of the Holy Spirit. You'll have this new type of position, a child of God, and you'll have a new privilege that you're loved and cared for and enough and at peace with, with Jesus. And he says, because of this act of this sacrifice, I'm giving you all of that new type of life, that new Christ likeness, the life eternal. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. So we say, thanks be to God. And Father, thank you. Thank you for this new life. Help us to be the godly leaders that you want us to be, the godly people that you ask us to step out in. Help us to have, Lord, a great reverence for you, a love for people, to love, uh, love Jesus and to love others, to love our neighbor. Lord, I just pray that we can live in a life of integrity and look for eternal things versus earthly things. Lord, thank you for this example of overcoming temptation and as Jesus overcame temptation, Lord, help us to overcome the temptation as well. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.